Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen in this place. Amen. amen. Give a hand clap for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, uh, I, before you guys sit down, I want to have a challenge to you guys. If you could sit, sit next to someone that you don't know. Sit next to someone that you don't know. Find somebody you don't know. If you need help, if you know the person's first name, their Facebook name, their Snapchat name, come on, Josie, Brandon, Josiah, make some new friends. Right here, right there. Josiah, why don't you sit? Sit by my man, my man Nate right here. Brent, and then Daniel, why don't you sit next to Brandon right here? Come on, Josiah, get up, sit next to Right there. That's Brandon right there. And then that's Nate right there. You know them. So sit next to, so Brian, sit next to, wait, well, you guys don't know Vicente. Let's just say you guys are sitting next to Vicente. Introduce yourself, Vicente. Make yourself known. But you know Vicente, Victor. Yeah, what am I talking about? All right. Just greet the person next to you. Say what's good. Everybody look to your neighbor. Uh, the neighbor to your right, and say what's good. And then look to the neighbor to your left, say what's good. Now look back to the right and say, what's your name? There you go, introduce yourself, make some friends. All right. Glad to be in Elevate. Elevate, elevado, elevado, que, que, all right, what's that, olidar, who, who knew the vote, I see you AJ, I see you AJ, heaven, heaven, showing love to the Germans, right, showing love to, to whatever, is Tesla, is, uh, is Elon Musk, is he German? It's like a, he might. He sounds like he could be German. Musk. Musk. All right. And then Tesla sounds German, right? But welcome to Elevate. We meet every Saturday at 7 p.m. You guys catch that? I was wrong. Do you guys know? When do we meet? Friday at 1 p.m. 2 p.m. Who said that? My man, you know what time it is. That's what's up. Well, listen, we're in a new sermon series. It's the, the Unique God. Everybody say unique. unique. How many grew up being called unique? Like everyone like, you're special, right? You're unique. You're different, right? Has anyone ever heard that before? Right? Like anybody ever been called a, a snowflake because they're so unique? Yeah, you're just... Right, I don't know, but there's a there's like a, a a thing I saw. I think it's in, I think it's in the school I work. At. Jenna, is there is there something in the school that says everyone's a snowflake? No, you don't know. You don't remember. All right, All right I think I saw it there. Everyone's a snowflake because everyone's unique. That's what it says right there. And there's some truth to that. However, there's also a lot of not truth because the the truth is is that you know there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, you may think you you got you got some fashion. I'm pretty sure there's someone that 
already beat you in terms of trend setting, right? Because there's this new trend my wife is telling me about that, you know, you gotta, you can't part your, you can't put your hair to the side. It has to be to the middle, right? And I never even heard of that. But y'all think you're new in doing that. Y'all think you're in a, watch till the next trend comes. Then you're going to be in behind. Like, wait till Bethany, you're 20, right? Or 24. Then all of a sudden, they're going to be like, hair, we go bald, right? And women are just going to completely bald, right? Come on, right? So there's nothing truly unique in this world. Everything has kind of been done before or it's been rehashed, okay? Even, even, tech, even inventions, they're just kind of like better ways of doing something that's already been done, like the microwave, right? You, you heat up food. People have been heating up food just with fire before. You think about the light bulb. They had a, they had a, had a stick of fire, okay? It's just new things to do something that's already been done. So there's nothing truly unique. However, there is one being who's unique. Everybody say God. God is unique. Now, if we can go to uh, Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, here's the issue, though, is that there are some people that don't believe there is a God. What I want to share with you is this verse, right? Everybody say fool. Fool. No one really says fool anymore, but the Bible says fool right here. Uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile, and there is no, there are, there's none who, no one who does good. Say that again. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile, and there is no one who does good. So, who says there is no God? The who? The fool. So the fool says there is no God. And it says it in his heart. So understand this is that in his heart, it can mean two things. One, he's saying in his heart, in his deepest conscience, right, what he thinks, what he believes, he's saying there is no God. Also, it can mean in his heart there is room for God. That means he doesn't want God in his life. Either way, the person is a fool. Now, there's a lot of people like that. There might be some of you in this room that you just got offended. You're like, man, you just called me a fool because I don't believe there's a God. And I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but it's okay. You are a fool. It's not okay that you're a fool. I don't want you to be a fool. Jesus doesn't want you to fool, be a fool. That's why the scripture was given to us so that we could be enlightened. I want to share with you guys this video. Uh, if we can get the video up, please. If we can turn off the lights. This video is going to talk about contingency. Everybody say contingency. It's a new word for you guys, but you will see what that means if we could play the video. Make sure the music, the, the, the sound is up. So let's restart. Uh, just make sure the sound is up. wondered why it exists? Yes. Why does anything at all exist? Gottfried Leibniz wrote, the first question which should rightly be asked is, why is there something rather than nothing? He came to the conclusion that the explanation is found in God. But is this reasonable? Everything that exists has an explanation of its existence. If the universe has an explanation of its existence, that explanation is God. The universe exists. 
From these, it follows logically that the explanation of the universe's existence is God. The logic of this argument is airtight. If the three premises are true, the conclusion is unavoidable. But are they more plausibly true than false? The third premise is undeniable for anyone seeking truth. But what about the first premise? Why not say, the universe is just there and that's all. No explanation needed. End of discussion. Well, imagine you and a friend are hiking in the woods and come across a shiny sphere lying on the ground. You would, naturally, wonder how it came to be there. And you'd think it odd if your friend said, there's no reason or explanation for it. Stop wondering. It just is. And if the ball were larger, it would still require an explanation. In fact, if the ball were the size of the universe, the change in its size wouldn't remove the need for an explanation. Indeed, curiosity about the existence of the universe seems scientific and intuitive. Someone might say, if everything that exists needs an explanation, what about God? Doesn't he need an explanation? And if God doesn't need an explanation, then why does the universe need an explanation? To address this, Leibniz makes a key distinction between things that exist necessarily and things that exist contingently. Things that exist necessarily exist by necessity of their own nature. It's impossible for them not to exist. Many mathematicians think that abstract objects like numbers and sets exist like this. They're not caused to exist by something else, they just exist by necessity of their own nature. Things that exist contingently are caused to exist by something else. Most of the things we're familiar with exist contingently. They don't have to exist. They only exist because something else caused them to exist. If your parents had never met, you wouldn't exist. There's no reason to think the world around us had to exist. If the universe had developed differently, there might have been no stars or planets. It's logically possible that the whole universe might not have existed. It doesn't exist necessarily, it exists contingently. If the universe might not have existed, why does it exist? The only adequate explanation for the existence of a contingent universe is that its existence rests on a non-contingent being. Something that cannot not exist because of the necessity of its own nature. It would exist no matter what. So, everything that exists has an explanation of its existence, either in the necessity of its own nature or in an external cause. But what about our second premise? Is it reasonable to call the explanation of the universe God? Well, what is the universe? It's all of space-time reality, including all matter and energy. It follows that if the universe has a cause of its existence, that cause cannot be part of the universe. It must be non-physical and immaterial, beyond space and time. The list of entities that could possibly fit this description is fairly short, and abstract objects cannot cause anything. 
Leibniz's contingency argument shows that the explanation for the existence of the universe can be found only in the existence of God. Or, if you prefer not to use the term God, you may simply call him the extremely powerful, uncaused, necessarily existing, non-contingent, non-physical, immaterial, eternal being who created the entire universe and everything in it. Woo, philosophy. All right, so I know there was a lot of things being said there. Some of y'all would be like, man, do this Friday. I kind of turned off my brain the minute I stepped out of school. I get that. We needed rest sometimes and chill. But, you know, we, we also want to understand this, right? Why is there something rather than nothing? We didn't have to exist. We didn't have to come into being. We didn't have to be on earth, right? Earth didn't have to be here. Earth, matter of fact, right, it's here, okay, but why, is, why did it stay here? Why didn't it just randomly disappear? Why is there things that, like physics, which keep the world together, laws of logic that keeps our mind stable, right? There's these things that are here, and, and there's all these questions, and, and, you know, we don't have time to get through it all, but one thing we do have to understand is that there's something necessary, there's something needed, and that's God. God is needed for anything to exist because God is outside of everything the universe has. So, for example, right, everybody knows about time, right? And he said this in the video, time, matter, and space. That's what makes up our universe. In order for time, matter, and space to exist, we know that they are dependent, they are contingent, they need something. Well, they would have to need something that's outside of them. And this thing outside of them would, need, would not need something. Because then if it needed something, then we can just continue to go on and on and on and on and on. So this thing had to be called the unmoved mover or the uncaused cause. Something that pushes that doesn't need to be pushed. Even energy. Energy itself. A lot of people say, what about energy? Energy is... It's, it's infinite. It can't be destroyed. It can't be created. But it is dormant unless it's kicked. It's started. So even energy needs something. God himself, though, needs nobody. He needs nobody. He is necessary. It's not if God exists. It's which God exists. Because God is needed. God is needed. There's, there's no philosophical there's no understanding. You can't have right. You can't have wrong. You can't have truth. You can't have logic unless there's something that can be trusted, a mind, right, someone who's thinking that can be trusted, putting these things into motion. Would you trust a monkey making your car? Would you trust a monkey to make your car? You, would you get in a car made by a monkey? No, unless it was Gorilla Grodd, right, if anybody knows who that is, Right? But no, that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a comic book. You wouldn't. You would have to know that this car is stable and it could run and that you wouldn't just blow up at the, at the next turn. So there has to be a mind that is in, in, uh, that's an intellect, intelligent, an intelligent mind behind this because we see an order. We see a, a flow, a stream of thought. We see that anything that has been created or anything that's here has been created and anything that has been created has a creator. We see this logic, this explanation that's here right in front of us, but we just have to look a little bit past the creation and look for the creator. So the full 
says in his heart there is no God because the fool would not exist if there was no God. We can go into an infinite regress where we just continue to say, well, how did you get here? Well, my parents, how'd they get here? Well, my parents, my parents, my parents. Then after you get to parents, you'll probably want to get into evolution. But then the, even the thing with evolution, I had a three-hour debate with someone on the streets one time. And because he could not get wrap his mind around how evolution even is, is a process. It's, it's not... It's not a being. Evolution, when people say, well, evolution did it. Evolution can't do anything. Evolution is a process. Evolution is a process. You Processes can't do things. People, persons, beings, they do things. So an evolutionary process cannot think because it is a process. So he was like, there has to be a God. There has to be a God. He, there has to be someone that is pushing these things, moving these things, pulling these things, controlling these things, dictating where they go. And that's where our God comes in. We need, uh, we need to understand that it is God who is doing these things. He is necessary. He is necessary. And listen, if you have questions, we're going to have a time, well, we've, we've talked about it, but we're going to have a time where you get to ask these questions. You get to debate me. You get to come at me with all your questions, or you can debate TJ because he's clapping up there, right? Either one, right? If you have these questions, listen, we're not going to cuss you out. We're not going to call you stupid. The Bible already called you stupid. We don't need to call you stupid. That's already been done. We'll let the Word of God speak for itself, but this is what we will do. We'll have just a conversation with you. We want to talk with you. We want to hear you out because this is, these are conversations that schools are having and talking about, but yet they don't look deeper than the surface level. For example, this is an argument that was mentioned in the video. Well, who created God? So it's a, it's, it's, it's a dumb question. It's a dumb question. And I don't really believe in dumb questions that much. It's a smart question that can become, become dumb if you ignore the answer. God, the whole thing of God is that he's uncreated. So for you to say who created someone that's uncreated, you just answered your question. Nobody. He's uncreated. Think, questions like that, which like teachers and, and students always say as if they have the answer, that's, that's what we, we're going to talk about. So God exists. Whether you want him in your heart or not, you turning away from God as a teenager is not going to change the truth and the inevitable. That God, is, God does exist, and you will see him one day. Now, the question is, right, if we can go to the first slide, which God is it? Anybody ever heard of Thor? Right? Anybody ever heard of Thor? All right. Thor, people actually worship, if we can go to polytheism, please. So polytheism, and man, that's blurt. Oh, it's bl it is blurry. Wow, that's some bad quality. Forgive me. All right, so this is how polytheism kind of comes around, right? We have this idea, right? How many of you think God created you because he loves us and he wants us to, to kind of take care of the world, right? Well, here's the issue is that gods in paganism and polytheism they didn't create us really on purpose or the world on purpose. You see, there's these gods right here, and these gods had beef. Everybody say beef. Everybody say divine beef, right? They had beef. They got angry. They fought. They had battles, right? And out of these battles, they actually formed the earth. That's what they believe. They formed the earth. They formed the seas because their power was so strong that it split things together. And there's kind of already this idea that everything already exists anyway, they're already just there, and now they're creating things as they fight. And out of their fights, they want people to serve them, so they create these smaller gods, right? Everybody say Kronos. Everybody say Zeus. 
So Kronos, right, if you go to Greek, uh, Greek mythology, which they, people actually believe, Kronos was like this titan, this, this god of gods type thing, right? But, but he wanted to create these little gods. So they had baby gods, right? And these baby gods were people like Zeus. But the baby gods, they were tired of serving the daddy gods, right? So the baby gods decided to destroy, but they couldn't destroy really the daddy gods, so they put them in jail, right? They put them in jail forever. But now the baby gods were just like the big gods. They wanted to create people they can serve. Then comes humans. Humans will now serve the smaller gods because they want to be like the daddy gods, and they want people to worship them and and serve them and just basically be their slaves. So that's kind of how polytheism fits in. That's how Hinduism is. That's how uh, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, all these other things that think about multiple gods. You are created... Not really, nothing was created on purpose, really. Things were created on accident. People, gods were mad at each other, and they decided to, to create some humans so that they can serve, that the humans can serve them. So there's that idea. That's multiple gods. Everybody get that so far? Yeah, that's wrong. Because the gods are dependent, they're contingent on each other. You see, the god of wine is dependent on something called wine. The god of thunder is dependent on this thing called thunder. Right? The God of time is dependent on this thing called time. So they're dependent on things that are already here that are dependent on other things. So we can X that out the mark. All these multiple gods type religions are false because they are dependent. So whenever you have a friend who's talking about this, there's a, this is a philosophy that's wrong. And if they could say that, well, one of the bigger gods created them. Well, which one? Because a lot of them are equal in power and you can't have two all-powerful beings. You can't. You can't have three all-powerful beings because then they wouldn't be all-powerful. So we need to understand that these religions are wrong. When you go to school, when you're with your friends, and they're always getting smart and sassy, you love them still, right? And you still play 2K with them or whatever. Don't, I'm not saying not to do that. But have an answer for the hope that you have. Understand that these ideas of other religions being the same exact thing as Christianity, that's a farce. That's, that's false. Tell them to bring up the videos. Show them that that's not true. Show them that these beings are dependent, but our God is independent. If we can go now to monotheism. Now, monotheism can sometimes be like Christianity, right? But there is a difference. If we, t- we talk about uh, like the monotheistic God, Allah, right, from Islam, right? Or we talk about a deistic God. A deistic God is something, some God that says, well, I created Malia, but I'm just going to watch Malia just her life play out. I don't really care about her. I just created Malia just for Malia to do whatever she wants to do. So basically, this God is not really involved, but he just watches us as we fail through life. But there's a, fault, there's a, there's a problem with this God, right? Because the Muslims will say, yeah, this God is uncreated. This God, he's, uh, he's always been, he always will be. How many of you know that God is love, right? Can a God love if there's nothing to love or if there's no one to love? Well, they would have to love themselves, but is that really love? Love is, that's not how anyone defines love. That's more like, like narcissism, really. Is this God narcissistic now? You know, Muslims would say no. You see, in order for Allah to be glorified, in order for these monotheistic gods to be glorified, they need someone to glorify them. Matter of fact, they had to create. If they did not create, 
they would not be God. Or this, these gods, this, this monotheistic God would not be God unless they didn't create. They needed someone to recognize that they were God. So we can't look to the monotheistic God because this monotheistic God actually needs us in order for him to be himself. So we can't look there. So we X that out the mark. He's dependent. He's cont- uh, he, he needs something. So now if we can go to the next thing. A lot of people say the universe. Everybody say the universe. They'll say, man, this is where my blessings are coming from, the universe. Right? Man, thank the universe. Right? All these people. Listen, the universe is not a person. Matter of fact, this is, this is like Buddhism. This is like new age philosophy where they think everybody's a new Christ. Everybody's a God. You know, you're just the God in you, right? You got to find the God in you. Instead of the good in you, find the God in you, right? All that stuff. But that's false. Because now when you say that everything is God, nothing is God. When you say that even the spoon, you ask people, you lift up a spoon to people who believe this, and you'll say, is this God? They'll say, yes, that's God. When you say everything is God, there is no such thing as God. This God is dependent on everything because this God is everything. So this falls short of what a necessary being would be. So this God does not exist. This universe that is God does not exist. This is pantheism. This is what, the, uh, if you go to the east, right, the east of the world, right, like India, parts of Asia, they will say this, and they will be wrong. If creation is no different than the universe, of, uh, if creation and the universe, where I should put God, if God and the universe are one, creation is the universe, then there's this, two, there's, it's a blurred line. There's no, no line there. Everything is God. Nothing is God. I hope that's clear for you guys. If we can go to the next thing. So that's, that's scratched off the mark. We'll go to the unique God. This is the Trinity. And a lot of people don't understand the Trinity. I'm not asking you right now to understand the whole Trinity. I just want you to understand how necessary the triune God is. See, you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Spirit. This is God. The Father is God, but he's not the Son. The Son is God, but he's not the Father. The Spirit is God, but he's not the Son or the Father. So there is this idea that there's God. He's revealed in three persons, but he's one being. Understand that. Three persons, one being. It's a plurality of a singularity. Now, that's like, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. All it can simply be is this. Our God is three in one. Simple as that. Don't make an analogy for it. It's necessary. Because in the beginning, the Son glorified the Father. In the beginning, the Father glorified the Son. In the beginning, the Spirit glorified the Father. You see, so there was no need for something else. God was good himself. God is good himself. He doesn't need creation to understand that he's God. He is God, and within himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, he understands that. You see, God in the Trinity, he is love. How do we know that? He didn't have anything to love. Hold up, scratch that. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. The Spirit loved the Father. The Father loved the Spirit. So we understand is that this, that God is independent. He's not needed to anything to be God. And in this uniqueness, he creates the world. You see, because it's not out of anger or fights. It's not like the Father hated the Son and the Son hated the Spirit. So they started saying, well, I'm going to create humans so that they can worship me. No, it was done out of love. So this God is unique in his creation because he chooses to create. Not out of necessity, not out of strife or war or fights or jealousy out of the other gods, 
But he creates because of creativity and love. So this God who is good creates a good creation. So we have, if we can go to John chapter 1, if we actually go to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And you'll, you'll be like, okay, but why are there so many religions? If God is right, all-knowing and he's, he's all-powerful, why doesn't he just make everyone choose to worship him? That's what a lot of people say. Let's go to the scriptures. For although they knew God, everybody say knew God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. You think about the Egyptian gods. You think about Horus. You think about uh, all the other gods that they had. They had hundreds, thousands. You think about the Hindu gods like uh, um, Man, the elephant dude. I don't even I forgot. But the elephant god. You think about Dionysus, right? You these gods of metal, these gods of wine, these gods of music, and it's like they need these things. People decided to, instead of worshiping the immortal God who created all things, to worship gods, quote unquote, that were like all things. So we have to understand is that we chose to do this ourselves. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So the worship of false gods leads to sin and to sexual morality. You'll see that. You'll see how a lot of times back in the day they would have sex temples where they would worship their God with sex. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and created and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So why are there all these religions? It's because people, they did not want to glorify God. They did not want to give thanks to God. Just like many of you in this place, you don't want to give thanks to God. You don't want to glorify him. So instead of giving thanks to him and glorifying him, you find something else you could worship because you were created to worship. You find something else that you can live for and serve. And most likely, actually 100%, it is a created thing. So these created things are now what God gives you over to. Is this your God? Okay, well, you can worship him. Go. Then, you, then the people who did that, they had kids and taught them to worship this created thing, and then so on and so on. God said, if you don't want to worship me, fine. Do what your heart desires. But I just want to let you know that I am the immortal God, that I am the God who judges. I am the God who creates. All these other gods are not like me. That's what we find in the scripture. So understand that is that God, he's the triune God. He's, he's completely independent in all things the way he creates. He's not like other gods. Now, if uh, Melanie could come up, please. And if we could have, uh, if you guys could all stand up. Now, understand that. Now you guys have some understanding, but this is for you to research now because I can't go through this whole argument all in, in 20, 30 minutes. You need to have these type of things understood. You should be thinking about these things. You should be thinking, why am I here? Why did God create me? Those are essential. That's what people think. This is what people should think. Why does God want me to do in my life? Because he created me. He's unique. He's different than these other gods. What does he uniquely want me to do? Now, he is the creator. 
He has made all things. Everything that was made was made through him, and nothing that was made was made without him. However, here's what he wants to do with each and every one of you. He's want, he wants to make you new. If we can go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Colossians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 9. You see, this God who created all things, he wants to make us new. Because in his creation, he allowed free will, which is also unique. Because God didn't create us just to serve him like slaves, but God created us so that we could rule and reign on the earth. So that we could be like him on earth. So that we could worship him in what we do. But we sinned. We went against him. We thought we knew better. We exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And the one who created all things was now in our minds lower than the thing he created. Colossians chapter 3 though says this. Verse 9, it gives us a command. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. Wait, real quick though. You've heard that. Do not lie to, yourself. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to other people. You've heard that. How many times have you heard that? Do not lie. But this, the writer of this book say, because I told you so? No. Because he says, because you've taken your, your old self. You've taken off your old self, almost like you take off a sweater with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being new, renewed in the, in the knowledge and the image of its creator. The new self is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. So you have a creator, everyone. And this creator right, became a part of creation, Jesus Christ, and he lived perfectly as the creation, so that when he died and resurrected and ascended to heaven, he gave us the ability through his spirit now. He enabled us by his spirit to live like him, the creator. You see, God wants us to have a new life. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new is here, the new creation has come, Right, the new creation has come. So God, he's still creating us new, right? Humanity. We can experience that right now. If you are living a life of sin, if I can have my altar workers up. If you're still looking at like, okay, I worship the created things. I don't really glorify God. I don't give thanks to God. I don't live for him. Understand this is that you're still not created new. You have to be created new. You have to be what the Bible says, born again. This creator who's unique, this God who's unique, he loves you, and he loves you too much to stay in sin, so he wants to create a new you. He doesn't want to make you better. He doesn't want to change the slightly things about you. He wants to get rid of the old you, and he wants to create a new you, one that loves him and loves people, one that worships him not because of, uh, of what they can gain, not because of what he can, he can seek for himself, but one that worships God because he knows him. You see, you can't be an old creation, an old person, and not know, and know this God. He's only in the things of new. He's only dealing with new creations. So this, this God, this unique creator, Jesus, he wants to make you new today. All the past shame and sin and the, and the pain that Bree was mentioning through the word that she gave, all of that he wants to get rid of. And what he wants instead is to put a new you, one that looks like him. Because the Bible actually says he created us in his image. We were always meant to be like him. But again, we deserted the image that we were created in. So now God, in his plan, he saw that. He saw that you would turn away from him. And so he instead says, you know what? I'm going to send the son. And the son is going to show you what it's like to be in my image. 
So now, guys, you should know this. You should know this now. There's no excuse. There is a God who is unique. He's not like the other gods. And this unique God that does exist, he wants to create a new you today. He wants to create a new you today. So if everyone could bow their heads and close your eyes. This is what I want you guys to consider. If this God you believe in, if this God you believe in wants to do something to you as in make you new, and he was so willing to do that, that he became a part of creation, died a brutal death at the hands of sinners, if he really wants to make you new, what else matters? What else matters? Rid yourself of distractions. Rid yourself of obstacles. Rid yourself of ties to this world because this world will fail. This world is coming to an end. But there is one who is forever praised. There is one who is eternal. One who is uncreated. And he wants to live inside of you. This is the God of joy. The one who created joy. Not, not, didn't just adopt joy. He created joy. This is the God of love, not something that saw love and said, I'll be the God of love. No, he created love. He in himself oozes out love. So this is the God you can know who can make you new. If he desires to do so, what else matters? What else matters in this world? If you are not doing, if you are not what God wants you to be, then who cares who you are? God wants you to be new. Everything else is meaningless. As Melanie begins to sing, listen, I want to invite you guys up to this altar. If you do not know the creator, the unique God, the one who loves you, who wants to create a new you, you should come up. If you have been, and this is the other, if you're a person who believes in this creator, you know God, you know Jesus, he's your friend, he's your savior, but you get shy around questions, you get timid. Listen, we want to pray for boldness that you would have answers. And if there's anything else you need prayer for, listen, we're here to pray for you. We believe God, he hears us and he answers prayers.